This is Nanosh Tagore, and you're listening to episode 6 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. I had the chance today to interview Rio Americano High School student Nate Gautier about his achievements in San Juan Unified, including his own personal podcast. Let's get right into it. Hello, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us here on episode 6 of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. Um, would you mind taking a second to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, yeah, so my name's Nate Gautier. I'm a senior at Rio Americano High School this year, and my favorite class is probably AP French. Thank you. So how has it been growing up in San Juan Unified School District? I know we were talking off air a little bit about how you transitioned mid-third grade, so just kind of talk about that growing up in, in middle school, elementary, and then transitioning to high school. What's that been like for you? Yeah, I feel like um, San Juan has offered me a lot of opportunities to really grow as a student, not just inside the classroom, but outside the classroom as well. Um, I think I point a lot of that progress towards my experience in high school mainly because I feel like uh, the high school that I go to has definitely offered me an abundance of opportunities to really grow within myself. uh, And I've been able to take advantage of a lot of those opportunities. Um, You know, when I was a freshman and sophomore in high school, I was really unsure of what I wanted to do career-wise. I wasn't really sure where my aspirations lied. Um, And I was very fortunate to have a number of different programs to have access to at Rio. Um, I initially started out as a band kid. I went through the band program at Rio because I'd been playing clarinet since I was about nine or 10. So I got to experience the realm of music and really enjoy that passion for the arts. But also um, the Civitas program was really attractive to me as well. So I was kind of able to get into the best of both worlds, at least for my interests. And that's kind of how I formulated my career plan was through those different opportunities and just giving myself those experiences. And I think San Juan is very successful in giving students those opportunities. Yeah. So you were talking your career plan. So what do you, how is uh, San Juan Unified helped you pick that career plan and what is your career plan? Yeah. So um, for context, uh, I'm committed to Tufts University in Medford, Massachusetts, and I'm planning to do a four-year degree program majoring in international relations with a potential double major or a couple of inclusive minors. I haven't really decided the rest of my degree yet, but um, I would give a lot of credit to my decision to pursue international relations to the Civitas program, the classes around that program specifically. Um, when I entered the Civitas program, I wasn't fully understanding everything about the realm of international relations and political science and how those classes actually functioned, um, because I think it's fair to say that you don't really get those kinds of classes in a traditional high school curriculum or classroom setting. So being able to sit down in a classroom and be introduced to topics like introduction to political science and state and local government and really learning functions of government from like more of a seminar, Socratic seminar type of classroom setting was super unique. And it's what really drew me to the aspects of that program because it was so different from your traditional classroom setting. And I think having access to that program and those opportunities through San Juan has definitely been the main source of my inspiration for pursuing that career. Yeah, so Civitas being a four-year program, was there a specific year where you were like, okay, this is what I want to do? Or is it just kind of it all built on each other and then at some point you were just like, okay, this is what, what it's going to be for me? Or was there a specific moment in time for that? Actually, that's that's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I initially, my first few years of high school, I was very involved in the performing arts. 
Um, I mentioned previously that I was a member of the band program at Rio, but I was also participating in a nonprofit theater organization, a community theater production out in Elk Grove. And I had been doing that since my sophomore year, my junior year. I got into a pretty competitive uh, performance academy there uh, at the highest level. And that was a year-long contract where I was performing and rehearsing like three to four times a week. And it took up a lot of my time. And initially, um, I thought that that was going to be my career aspirations and that I was going to sort of enter the realm of performing arts. Um, But once I got to, I would say, probably the second half of my junior year in the Civitas program, I had started my internship with um, Deputy Executive Officer Kurt Carperos at the California Air Resources Board. I uh, had a great connection with him and got to do a lot of research work with him. And that's where I really started to sort of channel my passion for political science. Um, I had never really gotten to experience legislation at that um, intense of a level before. And um, once I started doing the research and just really looking into colleges and really starting to consider my options for university, I, I, I can't pinpoint the exact date or time, but I just remember this moment, the, sort of like that light bulb moment that everyone talks about where I was like, oh, wow, like, I'm incredibly passionate about this, and I I think I have a lot of at least groundwork for it, so why wouldn't I pursue that in college? I hadn't really considered it before, and so kind of going, going through those opportunities and then sort of having that realization of, oh, wow, like this is actually something that I really love doing um, was definitely a big turning point for me in making that decision for myself. Yeah, so you you mentioned the internship that you were part of. Was that um, part of Civitas? You guys have to do the internship. Is it your junior or senior year for that? Yeah, so the Civitas program, uh, as part of the core curriculum and the requirements for the program, you do have to do an internship the second half of your junior year. The way that the program is formatted, you take classes your freshman and sophomore year, and they count as your elective classes, but they're really catered towards different aspects of political science and civic engagement. So you take intro to political science, state and local government, and then your sophomore year, you take speech and debate and international relations. Then your junior year, you have philosophy the first semester. And then the second semester, Ms. Seibel has a huge list compiled of a bunch of connections and networking opportunities for you to um, sort of find your own internship for yourself, or you can do it on your own merits. It just kind of depends on what you want, but it is required that you do 50 hours of an internship your um, senior year. This year, it's 50 hours. It's initially supposed to be 75. We just had it altered slightly because of everything that's been going on with the pandemic and things like that. Okay, yeah. So you're mentioning that. um, Just thinking about how many extra classes you have to take with the Civitas program. Um, What has it been like transitioning to distance learning, losing half of your junior year and part of your senior year? What's been the adjustment for you personally in the classroom, managing the workload and such? I will say um, transitioning to an online distance learning curriculum has been hard for everybody to some extent, right? I feel like that's a pretty, (laughs) I feel like that's common knowledge. Um, But I think personally for me, The hardest transition is um, I'm a very sociable person and I like to engage my learning through conversations with people. Um, I wrote a lot about this in my college essays. It's a point that I always like to bring up. Um, I just feel like conversation and discussion is such an important and critical part of someone's learning because it's a really 
really important way for you to define your own opinions and really garner information from other people's perspectives. And I feel like it's so valuable to learning. So to be in an online format where not only are you just receiving lecture from a teacher, you're receiving lecture from a teacher online through a screen where you're not really able to interact with other people. And that transition for me was definitely the hardest. Um, In terms of the workload, I was kind of fortunate um, with distance learning. I will say there has been a lot more flexibility in my schedule. I'm able to sort of juggle my homework a little bit easier, having classes at different times throughout the day. And it's also kind of the reason why I've been able to manage a job at the same time as well. So um, being able to make some money on the side and also being able to manage my classes is definitely a bonus. But I will say that I think there are so many benefits to having in-person learning that I feel like I've missed out on throughout um, this past year. Okay. So Nate, you just mentioned something super, super important. I really wanted to touch on there is flexibility. Um, I've found that throughout distance learning and we're now we're in hybrid that there is, yes, there's less school because of the hours and how they have to break up the cohorts and such. But um, I found that with that less hours of school, there's time for me to yeah, get an internship or spend more time training for basketball or go in, do um, do this podcast, for example. And there's just, there's all this extra time and it's going to be like going back into the school next fall. It's going to be um, a wake up call. It's like, well, we're going to be in school eight to three again. So it's like not all that time is going to be gone again. So just seeing that there are pros and cons. I'm really glad that you touched on that. Yeah. I feel like that's something that we really have to appreciate as well, because, you know, I feel like with the environment that we've developed for high school kids now, like if you want to be a competitive applicant in college, they really want you to have everything, right? They want the extracurriculars. They want all of this extra work that you've done on this side, these projects, you know, working a job, whatever it may be. But I think being in a pandemic with online learning has really demonstrated how different it is because I mean, you're absolutely right. Like with this extra time, kids do have the time to kind of focus on a bunch of other things and activities that they really want to do. But then there's also the downside of not having as much time in the classroom and not having as much time per week just to learn the material in general as well. And I think going back to an eight to three school schedule will kind of kind of be, as you said, like a slap in the face. Like mm-hmm. people, I think people forget how impactful schools like scheduling is on kids especially kids in high school and if we transition back to that full eight to three classroom setting it's definitely going to be a culture shock for a lot of kids that are coming into high school oh for sure so with people being in different cohorts uh for the new hybrid system uh, i just wanted to ask you personally did you choose to go back in person um and if so why not why do you choose to stay home Um, I did choose to go back in person. I'm in cohort A for the hybrid curriculum. Um, I understand why kids decided to remain in cohort C. I think with giving giving kids the option to remain in online learning, especially incoming kids that are still adjusting and transitioning into high school, um, I really understand that because there's it's it's really socially difficult to kind of put yourself in that setting and. you know, the only reason why I ended up going back was because I have a couple of classes that I felt like my curriculum would be enriched by being in person. Like AP French is really, really hard for me to do over a computer on Zoom because 
the whole part, the whole point of the class is that you're speaking French 24 seven and um, being able to actually have conversations with people in the language that I'm learning is such a, such a game changer for my own curriculum in French. So that was the main reason why I went back was because I felt like some of my classes would definitely, I would, I would improve my learning and my curriculum by going back, but I completely understand why kids have opted out of that. Yeah, totally. And have you, have you liked that adjustment going back in? Have you, have you, have you been appreciative of the fact that you have been able to get back on campus? I am appreciative of the fact that I'm now able to be back in a classroom because I've, I've said it again and I'll, I'll, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really do appreciate being able to have conversations in classrooms. Um, I will say it is pretty unfortunate that we've had to transition back in such a, um, so like we've transitioned very slowly, obviously because of everything that's been going on with the health regulations and the cases involved in the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but I've, I've felt a lot of frustration and confusion from a lot of other high school students just because like we're in such a such a strange time right now where kids are separated from pretty much everyone and you know everyone was isolated in their homes for such a long period of time and being able to finally go back to school I'm grateful for but it is it is kind of hard still going back two days a week for three classes a day and only getting to be in school for around three hours or so. Like that's definitely still a very hard transition for me because I've never been in this experience of not going to, not waking up every morning at 7am and going to school by eight. I mean, this is such a, such a different environment for me. So that, that transition has definitely been very hard for me and I'm sure for plenty of other students as well. For sure. And another struggle has been the loss of sports for a lot of students. Um, Just wanted to ask you, uh, have you participated in sports either in middle school or part of high school? Yeah, I was involved in a few sports, uh, mainly my freshman and sophomore year. Um, I participated in cross country, track and soccer. Um, I did soccer up until my sophomore year. I did track up until my sophomore year. And then I continued on with cross country up until my junior year. Um, I unfortunately had to quit those sports just because of my schedule and uh, I had a lot of other extracurriculars going on at the time. So it would be kind of hard to manage those sports on top of everything else. But yeah, I mean, I, I still have plenty of friends that are involved in athletics programs at high school and we're all seniors now and kind of seeing them struggle to find the motivation to do their sport because of everything that's happened has been really heartbreaking for me because I, I understand how, how frustrating that can be for someone, especially when you're reaching the end of high school. Like you want those memorable experiences and not being able to get them in the same fashion is obviously going to be very, very difficult for people. Definitely. Yeah. With, um, not, not, not being able to finish out their seasons, especially for the seniors. Uh, I know they're trying to push for, some sort of like two month like mini season for some sports, so we'll kind of see what happens with that. But I did, yeah. So you did you enjoyed your time, but just unfortunately with other things in your schedule, you had to let them go. I mean, what was what were some of the biggest things that kind of took over the space place of sports? I know you talked about your internship you had, and then other, other some other things as well, right? Yeah, um, the biggest thing for me actually. The, the main reason why I quit sports was because of my commitment to theater. Um, 
I initially mentioned that at the time I was just very invested in performing arts and I thought that was going to be um, my future career. So I kind of took priority in the extracurriculars involved in performing arts. Um, the way that a nonprofit theater organization works is essentially if you're in an academy, you have specific classes for the academy a couple of times a week that go about two hours per night. Um, but I'm also living in Arden Park and the company is out in Elk Grove. So that was about an hour's worth of driving oh, yeah. per night in addition to the two or three hours I spent practicing or doing classes. And then on top of the academy, I would have different productions that I was involved in. And those have separate rehearsal dates that are also about two hours, um, two to three times a week, plus shows, plus performances. We were involved in competitions that I got to do with my theater academy, which I was very grateful to have the opportunity to do. But I mean, when you're doing something about five to six days a week, um, and you're also attempting to sort of maintain your grades for college and also juggle everything else that you have going on in your life. I just thought that it was going to be way too difficult for me to try to manage a sport that goes after right after school. Because at that point, like I would, I would have been going from my high school sport, driving directly to Elk Grove, rehearsing for two hours and then coming home and not even like going to my house until around like 9 30 p.m 10 p.m a night and I just knew that wasn't going to be feasible especially especially once I hit my junior year I was like I, I just have too much on my plate and that was the main reason why I quit yeah because you'd have to do all of that stuff and then you get home and then you have to look at your your workload so it's Absolutely. like there's no way yeah, for sure. So in that, the theater that you were doing, that was all outside of the school. Was there any opportunities for you to do theater within San Juan Unified? Yeah, there was. So Rio does have a theater program uh, at the high school. And I think that program is such a great gateway for kids, especially kids that haven't really experienced theater before. Um, it's a really great way for you to learn to express yourself in unique ways. And I think it's a great opportunity for kids. I had just been performing theater since I was about 12 or 13 and my community theater production just had a lot more opportunities for me that I felt best suited my skill set. Um, and I think that the, that was the reason why I continued to perform outside of school was just because I had already had quite a bit of experience in theater and performing arts. And I just really wanted to continue to grow my skills because initially I thought that that was what I was going to end up pursuing. So I just wanted to make sure that my interests were being best catered to. And I thought that doing a program outside of school that really prioritized getting ready for college theater or just theater in the workplace in general was going to be best for me. But Rio has a great theater program that still offers a lot of opportunities for kids to learn about performing arts and still get to perform. It just wasn't best suited for me. Yeah, of course. And are you still working? I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but are you still doing any theater currently or have you kind of passed that up to? Um, I have, unfortunately, but it, it wasn't because of any sort of malicious reasoning or anything like that. Um, we just were all kind of in an unfortunate situation where with the pandemic, live theater, I mean, across the board, whether it's community, professional, it doesn't matter. Live theater has really been sort of cast aside because of COVID-19 and the pandemic. Um, so my company has made a lot of very, very valiant attempts to get kids to perform. Um, 
but it's just been hard. It's been really hard to have the same opportunities to perform. And what I loved most about theater was being able to perform in a space with other people and like getting to interact with the audience. And that's just not a possibility right now. Um, you know, and I, and I also, again, it sort of fell down and fell down to the scheduling aspect. I was prepping for college applications and getting ready to sort of move on. And once I decided that I was going to be majoring in something unrelated to performing arts, I kind of had to take a step back and go, okay, well, as much as I love theater and performing, I'm going to have to kind of put it in a box for now because I really want to make sure that I'm on track for what I want to do. Um, I still have a lot of love for it and I still greatly appreciate all the experiences that I've had. It's just been pretty difficult to try to manage that with everything that's going on currently. Yeah, totally. Um, so to transition here, we would love to have some time to talk about your own podcast that you started. Um, I'd like for you to uh, first talk, give us the name and then tell us about the inspiration and the why factor of the podcast that you started. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll just give a brief synopsis about the podcast firsthand, and then I'll kind of um, go into some of the, the details about it. But initially, um, I so for the Civitas program, you have to create a senior project. It's part of the mandatory requirements to graduate from the program. Um, initially, going into my senior year, I really thought that I wanted to do something based in performing arts. I had planned to do a fundraiser, like a cabaret performance, and fundraise a bunch of money and funding for schools that have cut performing arts programs or that aren't getting funding allocated towards performing arts programs. That unfortunately was curbed because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and I kind of had to switch tracks pretty quickly. Um, but it was actually, I was in the middle of writing my Common App essay prompt, which is not, <laughs> I don't, college essays are um, a pretty difficult hurdle to overcome. But uh, I will say that I was in the middle of writing my prompt. And one of the questions was, what's a problem in the world that you want to solve? And how would you solve it? Or how have you solved it? And I kind of went through um, like a week long period of self reflection where I was just I because I, I knew there was something driving me that I was very passionate about. And I knew it was political, I was just kind of having trouble pinpointing exactly what it is. And when I got to writing, um, I the first words that I wrote down on the paper were, I have become very frustrated with the, politici like the politicized environment and the political division that we've created in the United States. And I wrote that. And pro again, it was one of those big light bulb moments. I sort of went, maybe there's something that I can do here to help promote a unification of something that's so divided. And that's where the idea sparked for me to create a podcast. So the title for the podcast is Civil Discourse Reimagined. The whole idea behind it is that I interviewed experts and professionals in various fields and held very current discussions about social injustice and various facets of social injustice and just sort of provoked conversation at a time where conversation and political discussion had become so controversial. Um, at the time when I started writing, we the country had been so politicized and there was just so much hate on both sides of the political spectrum. And it really frustrated me because I am very, very passionate about political compromise and just being able to promote progress in our government and witnessing the gridlock that occurred 
over the past two years or so in our legislature was very frustrating to me. So the podcast, I decided to create three episodes where I spoke with three different experts about social injustice. Um, I interviewed the Sacramento chief of police, uh, Mr. Daniel Hahn, and discussed um, the aspects of police reform and what it would mean to actually reform police practices and how to eliminate things like qualified immunity. I also interviewed my internship supervisor, Mr. Kirk Carperos, Deputy Executive Officer of the Air Resources Board. We talked about environmental injustice and how we should sort of address these different populations that are adversely impacted by um, environmental pollutants, such as carbon emissions, diesel particulate pollution, and how minority communities are kind of disproportionately affected by that. My third conversation that I actually just published yesterday was with um, Dr. Jesus Hernandez. He has his PhD in sociology, and he's a professor at uh, UC Davis. And we talked about urban renewal and kind of uh, focused on how racist policies in Sacramento have formulated a lot of the impoverished communities that we see today. Um, and I, I just I really wanted to be able to give people the opportunity to listen to something impartially and formulate their own opinion based on the information that I had given them. I, I really wanted to give people the opportunity to do that. And that's why I sort of went forward with that podcast in the first place. All right. So I have, I have two things for you. Um, one, congratulations. Just wow. Great job with that. Um, on, definitely on the behalf of San Juan Unified, we're so happy to see um, students taking a leadership role and students really amplifying um, their voices, making sure you guys are heard. It's it's really amazing to see. So just congratulations and great job on that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and two, uh, what has been your favorite guest of those three that you've had on and why? I would say probably my favorite guest was probably my most recent guest, um, Dr. Hernandez, only because I feel like, um, and this is a theme that I touch on a lot in my conversations in the podcast as well. Um, there are a lot of things about social injustice that the common, that common knowledge just isn't really introduced to. Like, I before researching the topics that Dr. Hernandez had discussed with me, um, even before we had our conversation, he sent me about five or six full length academic journals, mainly research published by him and said, go ahead and read these before we begin our conversation. I think it'll really give you some great insight into what you want to talk about. Um, what I think was most impactful about my interview with Dr. Hernandez was that he he has spent his entire career creating research solely based on Sacramento. Um and not not just the 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 positive aspects of Sacramento. He has really he has spent decades of research specifically analyzing how Sacramento's policies have curated cycles of impoverishment and how in the past race is correlated to economic growth and wealth accumulation. And being exposed to that kind of information as someone who is fortunate enough to live in an affluent community in Sacramento was such a culture shock for me. Um, like, I, I, that was just information that I had never been exposed to before. And for me to read all of that information and then spend about an hour conversing with Dr. Hernandez about such critical information that 
greatly impacted the people that I see on a daily basis was mind blowing to me. Um, and I would say for that exact reason, just the fact that it was so shocking to me and so profoundly impactful, I would say that was probably why Dr. Hernandez was my, my favorite guest of all. Yeah. So we're going to make sure to have those links in the episode notes for our listeners to try to get people to come listen to your show. I think that's really amazing. Once again. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. So as we're winding down here, our last two questions for you, um, do you feel San Juan Unified has prepared you for your next steps going to college? I think that the opportunities that I've been afforded at my high school have definitely prepared me for the future. Um, I'm going to say, to be fair, that I think that we also have to consider that the high school experience is not necessarily something that a school district is entirely responsible for creating. Um, I think in terms of the academia, San Juan has given me plenty of opportunities, but I think it's important to note that actually preparing myself for college is definitely a lot more of a mental battle than I think people realize. When you when you really go off to college and start making decisions about your future, those are decisions that are mainly going to happen based on your own determination. And um, that's a that's a difficult conversation to have with yourself. I mean, it, that's just something really hard to do. Like I'm I'm going across the country to study what I love. Um, that's not an easy transition <laughs> for anybody. Um, and it, that it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I just feel like people have to realize that doing something as great as experiencing college is very impactful. And as grateful as I am for all the opportunities I've been provided, I think it's important to tell people that you really have to be honest with yourself when you start to engage in these new experiences, because it is, I mean, it really does determine a lot of your future. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that one. So with everything that you've experienced, um, what is something that you would want to tell a student listening Um, It can be a piece of advice, just anything that you've learned um, that you would like to pass on to the next generation. I would say um, if you are entering high school, you're going to face a lot of pressure to really expose yourself to the world and prove yourself to be this unique, well-rounded individual. Um, the biggest thing that I've learned from my experience with college applications, and I can say this honestly now because I committed to a university, I'm done. Like I've written all my essays, it's over. Um, I would say you're going to get told a lot that you need to stand out. But I think what people forget to realize is that you stand out by being yourself and you have to be authentic to what you believe in or you will never end up at the place that you want to be. Um, I give a lot of credit to that because I think my biggest thing when I was really entering college application season was that I, I wanted to prove myself. Like I wanted to be this amazing student. And while I've done well for myself in school, admittedly, I mean, I, I don't like to brag about any of that at all. Like I did well for myself and I thought that by getting into all of these big universities, I was going to prove my worth. And I've quickly realized that getting into a college because of a name doesn't really entail anything. Like at the end of the day, 
you should be satisfied with the work that you've done because it's authentic. And if you're entering high school, no matter what it is, no matter what people tell you, be honest with yourself and do what you want to do. Because if anything, if you're, I mean, if you're really worried about college applications, you're going to present the best image of yourself to people who are just going to review a piece of paper. And for you to achieve what you personally wanted is so much more fulfilling than getting a name. And I, I really want to encourage that to people because that it, that is why I'm so happy with the decision that I've made because I'm, I was honest with myself at the end of the day. And I, I told myself, this is what is best for you. And this is what you need to do in order to pursue it. Don't kill yourself trying to overextend and do all of these different things. Really be honest with yourself about that and you'll feel fulfilled. And I, and I do. And that's why I feel like I can honestly say that to kids because I'm here now. And um, I think that's most important for you because you have four more years to sort of figure out yourself. And um, to be honest and go through that self-reflection is probably the best thing that you can do. Yeah, so just remaining truthful and authentic and doors will open. I, I really, really love that. Thank you so much, uh, Nate, for joining me joining me here today. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I would like to thank Zubin Tagore for the work he does behind the scenes. I am Nonak Tagore with episode six of the San Juan Unified Student Podcast. Please check out our socials at SJUSD Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll see you here next time.